Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. So I just believe these are good things that we can help with in any way we can. Not just uh, wherever it's at, wherever there's hurting people, WCF wants to be there to be a blessing in any way that we can. Are we all ready for God's word today? We are. How many love God's word on faith? How many know without faith, apart from faith, it's impossible to please God? For he that cometh to God must believe. Believe what? That he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Then he goes on about, speaks about by faith Noah, by faith Enoch, by faith Abraham, by faith Sarah. And he gives all the heroes of faith in the book of chapter 11 that all had corresponding actions to their faith. Kathy and I are doing from my book now called Moving On to Great Faith. And this is the story we know as the Syrophoenician woman in the region of Tyre in Sidon after Jesus had left Galilee. And the woman actually uh, was commented on in verse 28 and said, great, Matthew 15, 28, and says, daughter, thy faith hath made, uh, let me just quote it exactly what it says, but Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away, tell her to go away. They said, she is bothering us with all of her begging. Then in verse 28, it said, Dear woman, Jesus said to her, Your faith is great, your request is granted, and her daughter was instantly healed. So how many know verse 28 sums up the story of this woman that Jesus commended her that she didn't just have faith, she had great faith. Is there anybody here that wants to have great faith? If you want to have great faith, then there's some tests, and that's what I wrote the book on, Moving On to Great Faith. And we saw the first test was that of adversity. How many know adversity comes one of two reasons? Comes, number one, because we're doing something right, or it comes because we're doing something wrong, deep revelation. But no matter what it is, God can take adversity and turn it into a opportunity inside of your life. Your attitude in it is going to determine it. The second test that we covered, number one test was the test of adversity. The number two test was that of patience. Uh, We call it the silent treatment, divine delays, unanswered prayer. We went into that last week in detail. I wish you had another whole week just to go even more in that there. But how many know until we understand the timing of heaven and until we understand the seasons of heaven, we will never come into the timings of heaven. Because when you understand the times and you understand the seasons working together, then you can understand how this whole kingdom operates. And how many have a little issue with impatience inside of your life? Come on now, just, just a little bit issue. How many have a big issue with impatience? You don't have to raise your hand. If you like, you can. Okay. But how many know that the, the flesh is frustrated incredibly when the silent treatment is there? And so this woman was said, she came to Jesus, shared her needs, shared her pain, shared what was going on, and the Bible says he answered her not a word. And then it says, and the disciples came, which is the third test, which I'm going to introduce right now, and said, get rid of her. Send her away. She's annoying us. And so the third test is the test, if you want to call it, of the unmerciful. It's the test of the ones that lack empathy. It's the test, if you want to call, of dispassionate 
brothers that Kathy and I are going to be sharing with you today. You know, in the church, obviously, we all have relationships. We all have people that we uh, get involved with or get to know, and then some people you don't know. But how many have ever had in the church somebody say or do something that hurt you? Yep. I think everybody could probably put up their hand at some point. If you haven't, it'll probably happen at some point, or you're not involved. Once you get involved, you get involved with people. When you get involved with people, how many know That's people right. will hurt each other? Because we're all human beings, and, and we all uh, say and do things sometimes that offend or hurt others. Whether we mean it or not, it can happen. And now, how many here have ever had a uh, loved one, especially a child, that is not serving God, and you're really struggling with that? We've been there. Okay, we've, we've been, been there. there. You know, maybe at some point or another. There seem to be more people in the second service or first service. Maybe they're just being more honest. But uh, <laughs> anyway, we all have people in our lives that we wish were serving God. And maybe they're not right now. And, and so that can be a difficult time for you. And when you have a child that's not serving God, especially as a parent, you can get under a lot of um, stress and, and even, you know, fear. You can become, uh, feel like a failure as a parent. You know, pe parents struggle with all kinds of things. And when, uh, when you have a child that's not serving God, the best thing and the thing that you need the most is brothers and sisters that you know coming around you, encouraging you, praying with you, and helping you believe God for that child to come to know the Lord or come back to God if they're backslidden. And yet what happens oftentimes in the church is people will judge and say or do hurtful things to discourage you or to make you feel like a failure when you already know, you know, that you're going through a hard time and yet things can be said or done that make you feel worse. And so what we need to understand is we need to know truth. We all do. I'm not advocating that we never know truth, but it's how we present truth. And it's with what motive we present truth that really makes a difference. And so when our heart motive should always be that we want to encourage people, help people, strengthen people, and get people to a place where they get victory in their lives and where they know that they have people around them supporting them and helping them and encouraging them so that they can become all God wants them to be. I remember many years ago when our daughter Tara was not serving God and we were going through a very difficult time. And I remember Ari Kuhn, Arnold Kuhn, and how many remember, Ar those of yeah. you that have been in the church a long time, you all remember Ar Arnold and Ari Kuhn. And they were on our board at the time. And uh, they've passed away and gone to be with the Lord since then. But I remember Ari phoning me one day and just calling me to encourage me and to pray with me. And she shared with me, you know, what, that, what she'd been through with one of her children. And, and you know, just prayed with me and, and said what I needed to hear to help me through a very, very difficult time. Yet other people would point the finger and condemn. And how many know that's the worst thing you can do when someone is struggling or going through a difficult time? You know, a lot of times it's easy to look at people and look down at people that maybe aren't doing as well as we are. And, you know, we have to be, able, when you have the love of God, God's word says that we're to love him first with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when we love him, his love will be in our hearts, and that love will be poured out on other people because it says love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, treat them and do to them as you hope or wish people would do to you in the same circumstance. And so what we need to do, now obviously there's 
people do need sometimes discipline in their life, and they, there are times when there will be consequences to things, and, and that's important and needed, and God will do that to us when we go through certain things. But I'm talking about just when people are struggling and they're in a very, very difficult time in their life, rather than pointing the finger and tearing them down, we need to encourage them and show them how they can get back up, but show them in a loving way, not in a condemning way. And there's a difference in how you do it. And so that's what, we, what we're talking about. Because there's so many. We are the body of Christ. And, and he is the head. We are the body. The body means we are the hands, the legs, the feet. We're the ones that are, are to meet needs of people and to go out and do things. And, you know, I remember now, I used to years ago, you know, after I'd been a Christian a long time, I'd looked at people on the street. You know, you go downtown uh, Windsor back then. It was Toronto for me. And you'd see people and you kind of see people out there that are messed up and you kind of just look down on them. But, you know, God dealt with me about that. Now, you know, if I see people on the street or I, I ask God, show me if there's something I can say or do to help that person, to give them some kind of hope and to be a blessing to them in some way because we do not know the potential in people, right? We don't know what God can do. Right. You know, I remember being in New Brunswick. We were there uh, two years ago and I was downtown New Brunswick and there was a girl on the street begging and she was a drug addict. And, and I, you know, obviously working in the Life Center, you know, I gotten to know what God can do and, you know, how he can transform and save and deliver people from the worst situations. And so I remember looking at her, just having that compassion and being able to go up and talk to her for a few minutes and give her a card on the Life Center and just let her know if you ever want help call and we will do what we can to help you and and you know people are just looking for answers now it's up to them whether they want help you can't force people to want help but it's up to us to make sure we can be there if possible and if we can help somebody we need to be able to help them you know we always don't know how the people got into the situation that they got in but it's really not for us just to judge every individual like that the scriptures do tell us that we're to judge the things within the church but how many know we don't have a right to go and judge everybody outside of the church I'll tell you what else I don't have a right is to judge everything that might happen at Parkwood or Lakeshore or some other place. But my job is to come alongside and be an encouragement to them. We want to really zero in on this here aspect of empathy today. When we speak of empathy, it speaks in its simplest, the awareness of the feelings, the emotions that other people might have. It's a key element in relationships between uh, individuals, but it's a key element in the church. And what happens over the years is what we've learned in studying this year out is the number one reason why people disconnect from church and the number one reason why people don't go to church is because a holier-than-thou attitude that was exemplified. And, and what does that mean? We look down, we point, we judge. You know, I've learned this here about people when they're coming in. They're at all stages in their journey, and there's people that are brand new that are here with us today, and there's people that have been here for many, many years. How many know the care and attention that you would give a person that is brand new is going to be a little bit, quite a bit more than a person that's been here for a while? Because why? The one after a while is able to grow. They're able to uh, get, get their needs met uh, with their own faith. And, and here's what I've seen is that when we make statements against individuals when they're in suffering, when they're in a challenging time, sometimes we say it without empathy. Sometimes we say it without care and without compassion. And it's a major turnoff to individuals. Now, I want to give an example, a few things, because how many know everything we teach, it needs to be biblically based? Okay, there was a man, the Bible says, that was paralyzed. He was on a mat, 
And there's no way that he could get to Jesus. And as a matter of fact, the Bible never mentions anything about the man's faith that was on the paralyzed mat. We don't know how we got there. We don't know what the circumstances were, but we do know that he couldn't get there. And the Bible said he had four friends. And those four friends came along. And what did they do? They all took a piece of the mat that the man was on. And the Bible says that they actually were aggressive to get into the crowd, but they couldn't get into the crowd. And so what did they do? They figured out a way. The four of them climbed up and started tearing the roof out to drop the man right where Jesus was. So I don't know about you, but if somebody's on my roof, okay, and they start tearing them shingles off, start cutting through the plywood, they're going to have a few uh, words said, okay? Anyway, here's what's amazing. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, it wasn't the man on the mat's faith. Jesus saw their faith. Isn't it amazing? It tells us about a, a, a girl that's very familiar with our society today. And it's the woman, if you want to call it, that was married and divorced four times, the scripture records. How many know if you've ever been through a divorce, how many know it's not what they would make it look like in Hollywood today? And it's not in the state of denial that other people, they have these big parties and these big celebrations and all that there. It's a very tearing time for the individuals. It's a very, and it throws their whole life into a whirlwind from the standpoint is most of them were barely making it with two incomes. And now they got to have two different places and, and it's one income. Okay, people don't understand and they don't understand the siblings and they don't understand that. And yet people will oftentimes just judge him and just speak. Well, isn't it amazing that in John chapter 4, the revelation that Jesus brought out that we all know it today, Jesus said, they that worship me shall worship me in spirit and in truth. It all came from the conversation with the woman divorced and remarried four times who had some religious upbringing. Because it said, our fathers, she said to Jesus, uh, he says, our fathers worshiped here on these mountains over here in Samaria. So she had an understanding of worship. She had an understanding of going to the synagogue. She had a very good understanding of that there. So Jesus had to set her theology straight. But it's amazing. He never condemned her for her past. Never condemned her for what had happened. Four in a row, failed marriages. And then she's now even living common law not connecting real well with God but knows about God and Jesus came in there and he, and he showed her compassion isn't that amazing and isn't it amazing that God used that woman she was so touched by him that was very unfamiliar turf that he had uh, uh, shown and exemplified to her of not just condemning not just pointing the finger but started just sharing with her basic things about worship basic things about God and the Bible says she went back to Samaria, and what did she do? All the men of the city came out to hear her, to hear him. Come on. Because she said this one statement. She says, come and see a man that has told me everything that I've ever done. Well, how many know if she had four husbands and had been with a, a, living with another one, how many know there's possibility that she might have had other lovers that she didn't marry? And it's interesting, the Bible says all the men of the city came out to hear. Isn't it amazing? Another one is caught in the very act of adultery. I've always wondered about this aspect. And it says, and they brought, the religious leaders brought the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. 
Well, if you're caught in the act of adultery, then if that's true, there's not just a woman by herself, but there's a man with her. Why did they bring and want to stone the woman that was with her and not the man? So Jesus just goes up and he starts writing in the sand. And they're all looking around saying, like, what's he doing over there? He's just writing in the sand. Well, to this day, we don't have anything in the Bible that tells us what he wrote. Okay, But there's a lot of commentaries and there's a lot of messages that preach about what he wrote. But we really don't know. But the one that I would... The one that I would tend to go with above all the others is he was just probably writing names. He's writing Cousin Vinny, Cousin Tony, Billy, okay, uh, Frankie. Then they're all writing all these here names down. So if you want to get Jewish, you could say Elijah, okay. So, so, so he's writing all these names, and they're all looking out there. They're all looking at the name. And then all of a sudden, man, they got stones ready to stone this here woman, and they all start backing up. Why? Because their name is all down. Are y'all with me? And so Jesus goes and he says something, and Kathy's going to read this here. He says, he that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And all of a sudden, they're all looking out there and they're saying, like, boom, they dropped their stones. And one by one, they all walk. And Jesus said, where are all your accusers? Can you say amen? amen? I'm going to tell you what I've learned over the years is the mercy that we extend to others in their pain, in their difficulties, in their trying time. And some people, listen, dig a very deep pit for their life. But can we still go down and reach into that pit and pick them up out of that there pit? Are we ashamed of them? Are we gonna identify with them? Because he identifies with the least, the last, and that which is lost and broken. The question to WCF today and those watching by live stream, can we do the same? If we don't, we'll never move on to have great faith. You know, um, we can read here in Mark or Matthew 7, verse 1. It says, do not judge others, and you will not be judged. How many want to be judged? How many like to be judged? <laughs> I don't think any of us like to be judged. And so it says, do not judge others, and you will not be judged. So in other words, if you judge others, you will be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. So in other words, how many know we all, if we, if we look at it and we're really honest with ourselves, we have all missed the mark. And so sometimes, you know, we think, because we maybe got it a little bit together in some areas, that we have a right to condemn or point the finger or criticize all those that don't have it together. And in verse 3, it says, And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? Wow. And you, you, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. So in other words, you know, there's a motto we need to go by. And this is why it's so important that we, we um, focus on the cross and why we uh, love God with our whole being. Because it's, except for the grace of God, there go I. In other words, none of us can really take credit for any victory that we've accomplished in our lives. We've only accomplished victory. We've only grown in the things of God because of God's doing and because of his grace in our lives. And so we have to look at people and recognize that they're a work in progress. Right. God believes in them. We need to believe right. in them too. 
And to help other people means it's going to cost us something. It may cost you some of your time. And, you know, God, can, God doesn't expect us to help everybody. We cannot all help everybody. But God will expect you to help somebody. And he'll put certain people in your, across your path that he wants you to, to spend time with and pour into those people. I love and appreciate the people that uh, have rallied around even the Life Center and the woman in the Life Center and those that have graduated from the Life Center that have taken the time to meet with them and to talk to them and, be account- and let them be accountable to them and to speak into them. I, I love Julie, what you do. You're amazing. And, and Julie Hunter has been such an amazing blessing to the Center. And Judy and Vic Wareham have also been an amazing blessing to the Center. And there's so many others. I can't name them all. So if I didn't name you, forgive me, but I can't think of everybody at the same time. But anyway, I just love what people do because they are sacrificing time. They are sacrificing effort and, and, and it costs you something to help other people. It may cost you your favorite TV show. It may inconvenience you that you might have to, you know, take somebody somewhere and give them a ride or, or spend time with them. Now, I, I do believe we need boundaries in our life. You don't want people taking advantage of you or taking you for granted and abusing that. And there's a difference. But we need to be available when God shows that we need to be available. And we need to be doing what we should be doing for the kingdom of God and believing in people and seeing the potential in people. And, And if we don't do that, then people will not get the help they need. And they won't be able to become who God has called them to become. I love seeing Megan up here this morning. I'm going to pick on Megan for a minute. You know, two years ago, she was in a very different place, right? And, you know, she was in her addiction and, and, and you know, hadn't, had, didn't have hope. And now she's going to Bible school in September. And God saw the potential in her. He saw who she would become. And, and, you know, we still haven't seen the full potential come to pass, but we know she's on her way, and we're excited about that, as many of the other ladies that have been through the center. And so um, she's, she's raising a bit of money for her school, so if you can help her, go for it. But, uh, you know, she's, she's got most of it raised, but she still needs a bit more. But, you know, how many are excited about that, to see that we can see people that are lost, and they're down and out, and they're, they're, they're dying from, from the sin that just has ensnared them. And we have the ability to pull them out and to impart and pour into them and make a difference so they can become who God created them to be. See, we all need love. We all need to be needed. We all need purpose in our lives. That's what we need. And our job is to keep people and get them to, to know how and to know God and to know what he can do for them and through them and to believe in them even when they don't believe in themselves, right. right? And that's what it's all about. And, and, and we need to be people that will take the time, that will, it'll cost us money, it'll cost us time, it'll cost us, you know, uh, inconvenience at times. And, and, and we need to be going to God, though, every day and showing up and saying, God, I am yours. What do you want me to do today? And he will give you the assignments that you need to do. Because there's a lot of voices and a lot of people will want your time and want your money and want all that. But you need to obey God. But you need to be sincere about that. And be willing to do what God has called you to do. You know, we can, we can know the right things. But if we don't have a heart of love, it's like 1 Corinthians 13. It says we can have faith to move mountains. We can know the word of God. But if we don't have love, we are nothing. 
And we're going to see a skit demonstrating that right now. Get ready. Morning. Hey, good morning. Wow, so you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Absolutely. I'm ready as so I'll ever brought, be. So you brought your suitcase. I certainly did. It's going to help me get right into the role. I'm going to nail this one this wow, time. Wow, just really committed to the role, huh? Absolutely. All right, well, good. Listen, I'm going to play the role of, uh, of, of someone that just is really suffering and, and struggling with the loss of his daughter. <laughs> and I want you, um, hello, Rebecca? Yeah. I need you to listen. Yes. And then just be supportive and understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, got, I read the material. I got it. Okay, Rebecca. Okay. Yes. I'm going to grade your responses, okay? Okay, okay, okay. So we're in the airport. All right. And guess what? I got airport background. <laughs> so we're good. All right. All right, good. here we go. Ready? Yes. <sighs> I hate flying. Planes make me really nervous. Well, you really need to get over it. I'm trying, but, but it's really hard. It's been difficult. Well, the only reason why you can't get over it is because you lack faith. Faith Pardon? in God and his promises, which are true, really true. Um. Well, uh, every time I, I, I sit in the airport, I just, all of the, all of the raw emotions just, just come flooding back, you know? Right. And the only reason why those emotions are gripping you and preventing you from getting on the plane is because, well, you've got sin in your life. And that sin is opening the door to fear and it's just... Stealing your faith. Sin? Don't look so surprised. All have sinned. All. Including you. Well, You're you... a sinner. You've sinned. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, obviously, obviously I recognize Oh, that's that. wonderful, because honesty is the best policy. Don't, don't you think you're being a little harsh? I mean, I lost my only daughter, my only child, in a plane crash. I, I'm her father. You were, you were her father. I'm supposed to protect her. You know, I, I, I wasn't there for her. I couldn't save her. Listen, only Jesus saves. Jesus, not you. I, it's, it's, been a, it's been almost a year. Um, actually, it's a year ago today. <sighs> I can't believe it. It seems like it was just yesterday. Ah, but it's not yesterday. It was like over 8,000 hours ago. 8,000 hours is a long time. I mean, you really got to let this go. Let but it go. It, but it still hurts. <sighs> Listen, the devil is like a roaring lion. Seeking people just like you who he can devour because you just don't know how to put the past behind you. Um, but I... No buts. Listen, I, I have been through a lot worse than you have, I tell you, and I got over it. Okay? Like, I lost 
both my parents. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I didn't Yeah, realize. you didn't know, you didn't realize, you didn't care, but it's true, it happened. <sighs> I mean, I was 15. Oh, wow. Yeah, when my adoptive parents shared the news with me, and I was like, wow. I mean, I didn't know my real parents. I mean, I never got to meet them, and I, just, I never spoke to them ever, not even once, but still, it's my loss. I mean, wow. They lived a long life. I heard they died of old age. I, I'm, I'm sorry. How is your situation worse than mine? Excuse me? Have a heart, man. Death is death. Whenever it happens, however it happens, does it really matter? It's my loss. My loss. I lost my only child. Well, I can't have kids, okay? So there. Not one, not never, not ever. So, uh. <laughs> Are you happy now? Okay, like, okay, we're even. Gosh, you're really making a big deal out of nothing. I suggest you just get on that plane. Go fly. I see. Oh, oh, you see. Oh, okay, so that's great. So that means like we're making progress because like you're understanding and you're opening your mind and that's wonderful. It is really helpful when you just take the time to, you know, stop and think about the plight of others. Instead of spending so much time throwing yourself a pity party, which is really what you're doing right now. Right. 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 Oh, I'm right. I'm right. Oh my gosh, I'm right. So like, <laughs> tell me. I passed, right? I did a great job. Did I pass? Because I'm right. I'm Rebecca, um, yeah. with all that you've learned in these sensitivity classes, uh, is, is that the best you can do? Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I've been diligent, I studied the material, and I came here, and I just played the part really well. So yeah, I just laid it out there. I did a really good job, didn't I? So did I pass? Did I pass? I passed, right? Um, I passed? Do you, don't you think you were just a little bit judgmental? No. 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 I mean, come on. I mean, you rambled on about stuff that really didn't matter, so I had to get in there, you know, and just speak the truth. Cut you off and speak the truth. The, the truth. You, you, and, and, you know, you, you should speak the truth in love. I right? agree. Speak the truth in love. Yeah. Tough love. Tough love. That's, that's, that's what it's all about, you know? So, did I pass? No, you <gasps> didn't pass. What do you mean I didn't pass? Are you kidding me? I need this credit! Rebecca, this is your, the third time you've failed this section. I know! I really don't think you have what it takes to be a grief counselor. <sighs> I, I think that you, you lack the wisdom and the compassion and, and the understanding. I, I, I think you need to consider another program. You're judging me. You, you, you are judging me. I, I, honestly, I'm, I'm just speaking the truth in love here. Thank you.
<laughs> Good illustrations. You know, I look back at 40 years ago, I said some stuff to people that I wish I wouldn't have said. I could see myself. How many can relate? Just come on. How many have ever been there? Do you know what? With all our hands, raise your hand for just a moment, all those watching my live stream. That's the number one reason why people don't go to church. It's because they feel value judged. I remember years ago when I went through the change of life, and I came home, and our children's pastor was doing my hair, and he says, Pastor, let's do something wild. I said, great! So he mohawked it. And then we spiked it in the middle here with blonde highlights. And I came home <laughs> and I was judged. <laughs> and rightfully so. <laughs> I remember going to churches and, and I did a series at that same time on value judging. And I remember going to the airports, coming out the terminal, you know, to get to the luggage area, and the, and the people that are picking me up, they're looking at the paper, and they're looking at this guy, yeah, it's me. And, like, and then I remember just hanging out in the back of the foyers. And when I was in the back of the foyers, it's like people would just shun me, because, like, this guy looks like a, a grown-up hippie, you know? And, like, where'd he come from? And, and then I'd go in, and I was the speaker, I mean, it didn't last long. It was about six months. Kathy said, you got a day no, to get through this. No, it didn't last that long, trust <laughs> I mean, me. That was a, it was a while. But anyway, I loved it. I just thought it was the best thing that ever happened. Amen? So getting back, okay, to it is this is the reason. Why, see, not everybody celebrates diversity in that respect, and it's okay. I want to go to the book of Micah for a moment, and I really believe this is a very important area of our faith in all of our lives. Because most of the hands went up and we've all missed the mark in this area. Come on, church. And so I'm gonna labor this in another week. Um, Kathy's going to Africa again tomorrow. And so I'm gonna be laboring this whole thing on dispassionate brothers, unmerciful at the time. The disciples came and this woman came and man, she's in pain. Her daughter is grievously, that means violently vexed, tormented by a demon. She didn't know what to do. She had done everything she could within her ability to help her young daughter, but nothing was working. And then she heard the stories about Jesus and the Gadarene, heard the stories about Jesus delivering other people. And so she came to Jesus with hope that her daughter's going to get well. Come on now. And then the disciples, the one that she conf confided in, said, get rid of her. And the literal translation said, she's annoying us. She's upsetting us. Just get rid of her. Totally, totally insensitive to the pain that this lady was in. Do you know there's a requirement that the Scripture calls every one of us? How many in here are believers today? To just wave your hand at me. Just wave at me just for a moment, okay? How many know if you go in for a job uh, to, to get employed at a place, you're going in for an interview, how many know you're probably going to put on your very best, Okay, you're going to put your best clothes on. You're going to look nice. Some are going to get their beard, make sure that it's clean shaven. And everybody's going to look really, really the best that they possibly can. In the same respect, whether it's old, whether it's new, whether... How many know God's requirements never change? 
How many know it's always faith that gets the attention of God? How many can agree with that? But then if we are faith, if we're full of faith, then there's going to be requirements that go on. And this is, where, this is where a lot of people don't understand. The book of Micah says this in chapter 6. I love this here. It says, no, O people, the Lord has told you what is good. The word good means morally excellent, righteous, what is right, what is proper, what is kind, what is beneficent. And then he says this here, what is honorable, not counterfeit, what is sound and valid. And this is what he, the Lord, requires, Micah 6, 8. This is what he requires. This is a necessity. This is what we're known for, okay? And look what he says. This is so powerful. The word require means obligated to necessity and order a demand of you. Everybody look at your name and say it, of us. Okay, so this is the simple requirement that God says. How many have tasted and seen that God is good? Come on. How many have experienced the loving kindness of God? It's not the harshness of God. It's not the severity of God, but it's the goodness of God that brings you to repentance. And so the writer says this, and this is amazing because he's talking in context to the people of God. He said, this is what's right. This is what is good And this is what God just expects of us. Can you say amen? What are we supposed to do? Come on, to do what is right. How many want to do what's right today? Literally, justice is what it is. The young generation are strong advocates of social justice and the issues that are there. If there's anything that I hate today, it's injustice. I hate to see people ripped off. I hate to see people prejudiced against. I hate to see violations in any of those areas. And, and, and it, listen very carefully. It's inside here. So this is what God says. This is what he requires. This is what he expects of us is to love justice, do what's right. And then he said the second thing. Come on, to what? Love mercy. Not just have it. But to love mercy. Did you know that the same mercy that God has is now imparted to your life? The Bible says, be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. So he would never tell us to be something if we didn't already have the ability to be that way. He said, listen, don't ever teach about favor, okay, without meeting the requirements of favor. The Bible says, let, permit not mercy and truth forsake thee. Don't leave mercy and truth. He said, let them not forsake thee. It says, bind them about your heart. It says, write them. It says, literally, bind them about your neck. In other words, have it around your neck as an emblem of what? Mercy and truth. And he says, inscribe them upon your heart. And then he says, so shall you find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. I have never seen in 40 years an unmerciful man operating in divine favor. I've never seen a liar operating in divine favor. Because God says, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck, write them, inscribe them on the table of your heart. So you'll find favor, but not just favor, good understanding in the sight of God and man. Isn't that powerful? So if that's true, he says, to do what is right, to love mercy, and then the third thing it says, and to walk humbly with your God. How many know it's never changed for you and I today? 
What's God looking for today? He wants us to do what's right. Justice. He wants us to love mercy. And God wants us to walk humbly with our God. You know, for us to have great faith means that when we have people that are discompassionate towards us, that we don't lose faith, that we don't give up and we don't quit. Because right. you know what? It's, gonna, it's bound right. to happen. Right. Whether, whether it's deliberate or not, it's bound to happen. Because people, when they're in relationship with people, eventually right. those relationships have conflict. And so we all experience that. And in the church, you know, when you have people working and serving God and doing volunteer work and doing things together, eventually there's going to be something said or something done that hurts you. It just happens. And so the, the issue is, you know, we've been talking about how not to be discompassionate. But when it does happen, right. you don't want to lose your faith and throw it all out because right. somebody was discompassionate towards you. You want to be able to be able to look to God and to be able to say, you know what, I can't judge God because people are not perfect, because I'm not perfect. I am going to disappoint sometimes. I am going to hurt people sometimes, maybe not deliberately, but it can happen because we all can do that. And so our, our goal here has to recognize that God is perfect. He's a compassionate God, and we serve him because of who wow. he is. And whether or not people do what we think they should, uh, love us the way we think they should, or treat us the way that we think they should, yeah. we still want to serve God. The That's number right. one reason why people leave churches is they get offended by a discompassionate brother or by something that Very happens good. to them. And so we've got to trust God with our lives only because if we don't, we become a casualty. And we'll end up out there lost and without hope. And so our, our, our concern is when we want to have great faith, I can't base my faith on what everybody in this church does or doesn't do. If I do, I won't have faith because I get disappointed and sure. I have people hurt me just like you sure. have you. Been and there. so I can't make my faith based on what people do or don't do. So if you want to have Very great good. faith, you've got to look to him. And keep your focus on him, regardless of whether people meet your expectation or not. And so that's really what it's all about. And so, you know what? There's going to be people that are going to value you. There's going to be people that are going to believe in you. There's going to be people that are going to work with you. And then there's going to be people that won't give you the time of day. But it doesn't matter. That's right? right? It, what matters is God matters and who we are to him. And, and he'll bring the right people in our lives. We do need relationships. We do need good relationships in our lives. But he'll bring those people around us, and we'll know who they are. And we need to celebrate one another. Amen? So let's all stand up. You know, in the book, I had a, an example of dispassionate brethren, and I used Job's wife. And I wish I could rewrite. I actually can do that for the next printing because of the understanding I have now, but I used Job's wife because in when they lost, how many know they didn't lose his son like in the drama today? How many know they lost seven sons and three daughters? They lost 10 children at once. Everything that they had invested, everything was all uh, lost. And how many know they didn't have the understanding of God today that we have? They didn't understand the enemy back then. That's what that whole book is about. Job said, the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me. Fear is a force that goes into operation that invited it. But here's the thing. She came to him 
in the time of crisis that she was in and said, Joe, why don't you just curse God and just die? Get it over, get it over, just die. I mean, how many, how many know when you're in pain, you say things at times that you, know, you, you don't realize because you're not in the right frame of mind? And sometimes we write people off because they're so deep in their pain and we don't understand what it is that's triggering this, what it is that's going on inside. So the course on 101 sensitivity, I think, is on empathy is probably important for us all. Amen? But here's the hero that I, my newest hero in Rick Shimatero's life in the Bible is Job's wife. And the reason that she's my hero, that 20-some years ago when I wrote the book, I didn't understand, but the reason she's my hero is because she got back up again and Job got back up again, and they went on and had kids again. And he never remarried somebody else. The two of them got their relationship back. They got healed up, and God restored everything that they lost with the double. Amen? And maybe that's just somebody here that's in that place of grief, in that place of pain, and in that place of suffering. And maybe you haven't understood even the justice of God or seen the justice coming, and all you can see is your enemy that seemingly is triumphing over you. I want to just tell you something here. God doesn't just say, you be just. God is a God of justice. And I have seen this about God. I've backed up in situations where I've seen harshness and i've seen pointing the finger and just said god it's in your it's in your care i've done everything i can to work this situation but god it's in your care now and i'm going to tell you something i'm going to tell you something i've seen people like this do this do this and i've seen the anger and i see shortly afterwards premature death i've seen it go three in a row I've, I've seen it. I'm like, I can't go and share everything I know about situations. I'm going to tell you something. I've missed the mark, especially in the earlier days. Anybody else missed the mark in these areas? But that's why we come to communion today, to seek God, to get into his face, because literally the bread means face-to-face -face with God. This isn't a ritual we do. It's literally getting in the face-to-face -face with God. And if you've been betrayed, you've been hurt, you've been violated, you've been, uh, you've been pointed down, looked down upon, this is your time to get into the face of God. Because when you do, the face of the one that pointed the finger at you no longer has to hold on your life. Amen? Ken. Father, we just thank, thank you, you today. for this bread. Thank you today. That represents the body of Jesus Christ that was laid yes, down God. for us. And he died for us so that we could become his body. And Lord, we are the hands, the feet. We are the ones yes, that you pour your love through to a lost and dying world. And Lord, you've called us to be compassionate as you are. So Father, forgive each and every one of us that has lacked compassion in any area for judging, for gossiping, for condemning right. in any way another brother or sister. Mm -hmm. And help us, Father God, recognize it's only by your grace yes, and only because of the cross, because of the redemptive work of the cross, that we can come to you boldly to find that grace and help in time of need. And it's because of you that we are righteous, not because of our own works or deeds. So Father, we take this bread with gratitude and thanksgiving for the amazing, amazing plan of salvation wow. that you gave to us in Jesus' name.
Amen. And Father, for those here that feel shame, those here that feel they're a write-off, those that feel they'll never succeed, they'll never have another chance, those that feel that maybe they're in something from their childhood, maybe they're in something from a marriage, maybe they're in something, some situation that we don't know all the details, but they're reacting a certain way. God, in mercy, we just ask that the people of empathy, people of compassion would come alongside and not just push them away, but that, God, you would raise them up just to try to help them, try to grant them, try to get them on path. God of mercy, cause this to be a core value in every one of us at WCF, that we would love justice, we would love mercy, and that we would walk humbly before you, our God. Be it done, Dad, as we partake of the cup today, in Christ's name. Wow, wow. How many feel you need to hear a little bit more on this subject? How many say thank God for his word? One of the greatest truths that Kath and I have learned is to the merciful, God will be merciful. And I don't know about you, but I've learned that I need the mercy of God every day, and every one of us needs the mercy of God every day. Amen? Have a great one.